Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fantasize Me, the podcast where I take characters real or imagined and fantasize them as D&D characters. I'm your host, Zach Katz, and today we are going to be doing Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter, always have. I've read the series a bunch of times, watched the movies a bunch of times, have a bunch of Harry Potter Legos, the Harry Potter Lego video game, Harry Potter cookbook. I love Harry Potter. I just wanted to say up top, I still love Harry Potter, even though I don't like J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling is a TERF, which stands for Transgender Exclusionary Radical Feminist. Fuck TERFs. TERFs believe that trans men are actually still women, and trans women are actually still men. Very inaccurate, very oppressive, very misguided. So I do not support Rowling in that sentiment because it's wrong, but I still like Harry Potter. I I can't help it. It's a big part of my childhood. I love the magic. I love the Legos. I love the video games. The whole world that someone created is really important to me. And I'm not gonna let her terrible judgment and inaccurate statements affect my love of something. Which, I mean, I'm still conflicted about. But I think as long as you acknowledge that the creator of it is problematic then you're fine. It's Harry Potter. You can still love Harry Potter and not like the author. So we're going to continue. I wanted to do someone from Harry Potter, and I was kind of worried that not enough people would know the name immediately if I did Hermione Granger, who we all know is the better of the trio. Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione, she's obviously the star. But I thought I would do Harry. Uh, I'm rereading the books right now, and where I'm at in the Sorcerer's Stone, she hasn't really been in it yet, so I got Harry on the mind. So we're gonna do Harry Potter. Uh, Let us start with background. So I picked a background haunted one, because Harry survived a terrible ordeal, even though he was just a little baby, a little bebe. He was targeted by Voldemort, he who shall not be named, and almost killed. And his parents were killed, he survived it with a single scar. So I think it's definitely haunting him, Uh, especially in the third book with the Dementors, that's kind of what they prey on, the sound of his mother's voice trying to save him. So Haunted One I think is very fitting. With this background, he gets skill proficiencies in two from Arcana, Investigation, Religion, or Survival. I am going to go with Arcana, because he's a wizard, and Survival, because he survived. Look at that, perfect. He also learns one exotic language. Uh, So more common languages are, you know, common, elvish, dwarvish, uh, halfling, others. But exotic languages are abyssal, celestial, deep speech, draconic, infernal, primordial, sylvan, or undercommon. I am going to have him speak abyssal. For no other reason than it sounds fun to say, Abyssal. Uh, he can speak parcel tongue, but that's not an option here. 
So Abyssal it is. Next, we're going to pick race. I looked at all the races. I've been trying to make them, you know, not human, because that's my go-to, but none of them seemed especially fitting. The only one I found that wasn't human that seemed like it might work is a tiefling with the subrace Dispiter. With the legacy of Dis, he'll know the Thaumaturgy cantrip. When he reaches third level, he learns Disguise Self. Uh, and when he reaches fifth level, he can cast Detect Thoughts. And I just thought that was fitting because, you know, Thaumaturgy are like little magical tricks that he could do before he found out he was a wizard. Uh, disguise Self, because he, you know, can eventually disguise himself. And Detect Thoughts because of the whole Legolamency thing, uh, where he, you know, I, th I think accidentally, but went into someone's mind and that's fitting for detect thoughts but honestly i don't really see him as a tiefling some sort of infernal creature uh he just seems very normal especially when rereading the sorcerer's stone and he didn't even know that he was magic so now that we have his background haunted one and his race obviously human variant i'm just gonna go for it we will roll for stats so I rolled a six-sided die four times, dropped the lowest number to get one stat, do that six times to get his six stat numbers. So he ended up with 15, 13, 12, 12, 12, 12. That is correct. Four 12s, blaze it. Uh, I've rolled a lot of stats in my day, and I don't think I've ever rolled four of the same number? I mean, usually they're pretty close together. I'm sure I've gotten three before, but I don't remember ever getting four of the same number. That's wild. But just looking at these, even though 12s are all plus ones, these stats are very not great. Uh, that's five plus ones and one plus two. Bad. Those are bad. Those are bad stats. But we're gonna have to work with it because that's just how it works. So let's see with the 15, what is Harry best at? Oof, um, God, what is Harry Potter best at? Not strength or constitution or charisma. Mm, probably not intelligence. I'm gonna go dexterity. I'm gonna put 15 into dexterity. And now I'm going to put 13 into intelligence. 13 is the next highest. And I'm putting it into intelligence because I I personally don't think Harry is stupid. It's just kind of hard for his intelligence to shine when he's with Hermione, who, I mean, baby, Hermione is amazing, so smart. I would love to do an episode about her, but, you know, I would have to fudge all of her stats, make them all 20s across the board, because she's a perfect angel. Anyway, so 15 to dexterity, which is a plus 2 modifier, 13 to intelligence, which is a plus 1 modifier, which means 12 to strength, constitution, wisdom, and charisma. And again, those are all plus 1 modifiers. Now, as a human variant, he gets 2 plus 1s that he can use, so we're just going to bump that dexterity to 16 and that intelligence to 14. So now he has plus three to dexterity and plus two to intelligence, plus ones to everything else. Still not great, but again, you gotta work with what you got. So as a human variant, he also gets a skill proficiency. So let's see, as a haunted one, we gave him arcana and survival. So he's gonna have a plus four to arcana. 
and a plus three to survival. Now, let's see, what else is he good at? I'm gonna say deception, because just my memory of Harry Potter, he lies a lot. And usually it's out of necessity, but he does lie a lot, so I think having a good deception would be excellent. So as a human variant, he also starts with a feat. I am going to give him Warcaster, which is my favorite feat for spellcasters. It's just so good. It gives them advantage on concentration saving throws uh, to maintain concentration of their spells. It also allows them to perform somatic components, so like the hand movements of spells, even when you have weapons or a shield in one or both hands, so you don't really need to worry about those uh, when you're armed. And you also can use spells as opportunity attacks. So when a hostile creature's movement provokes an opportunity attack from you, you can use your reaction to cast a spell at the creature rather than make an opportunity attack. The only caveat is that the spell must have a casting time of one action and must target only that creature. So I find really fun ones are command. It targets only one creature. So if they try to run past you, you can just tell them to stop. Hold person's also fun for the same reason. Booming Blade, I really like because that does damage when you hit them and also does damage when they move. So if they're running past you, usually they'll take that extra damage anyway. So those are some good options for Warcaster. So now let's pick a class. Harry Potter's a wizard. Obviously, canonically, he's the boy wizard, famous wizard. Uh, so we're going to start with Rogue. Now, I know what you're thinking. You just said he's a wizard. We all know he's a wizard. Yeah, no, obviously. he's. We're, we'll get there when we get there. But starting out, until he was 11, he was just this abused child who, you know, was abused by his cousin and abused by his abusive cousin's abusive friends. So he spent a lot of his free time running from them, hiding from them, which is really sad. His The Dursleys are terrible people. We all know that. So we're going to start with Rogue, and then we'll get to Wizard later. Now, first level Rogue gets proficiency in light armor, simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, short swords, thieves tools, proficiency in dexterity and intelligence saving throws which so happened to be his highest stats. Now he has plus five to dexterity saving throws, plus four to intelligence saving throws. And as we all know, rogues get a ton of other skill proficiencies. So he's going to get another four skill proficiencies from acrobatics, athletics, deception, insight, intimidation, investigation, perception, performance, persuasion, sleight of hand, and self. So a lot to choose from. Uh, we can pick four of those. He's already proficient in deception. So I'm going to go athletics because everyone knows Harry Potter is like a high school jock. What with all his star Quidditch playing and eventually captain of the Quidditch team. I'm also going to choose insight, persuasion, and stealth. I see Harry Potter as a stealthy person, because you gotta admit, a lot of the shenanigans he gets up to at Hogwarts are pretty much just him sneaking around. You know, obviously once he gets that invisibility cloak and the Marauder's Map, it's like freaking carte blanche access to the whole castle, secret passageways, knowing what everyone's up to. He's just really good at being stealthy. 
So it's good to give him that proficiency. So now he has plus five in stealth. So now that we have those right away at first level, he's gonna gain expertise, which we know is when you double your proficiency bonus in a skill that you're already proficient in. You can also choose one of your skill proficiencies and your proficiency with thieves tools. I, I don't really see him doing anything with thieves tools. So we're just gonna pick two skills so we're gonna go with Stealth to bring that to a plus seven and Deception to bring that to a plus five. Cause again, Chia Boy lies a lot, which is mostly fine in the context. Also at first level, he's going to gain Sneak Attack, which is a rogue's bread and butter. I don't know how often he's gonna be using it as he levels up, but it's just a fun thing to have in your back pocket. So he knows how to strike subtly and exploit a foe's distraction. So once per turn, he can deal an extra 1d6 damage to one creature he hits with an attack if he has advantage on the attack roll. You don't need the advantage on that attack roll if another enemy of the target is within 5 feet of it. The enemy isn't incapacitated and you don't have disadvantage on the attack roll. So this is cool because a lot of people, I'm pretty sure, think that you only gain sneak attack if you have advantage or if an ally is within five feet of your target, but it just has to be hostile to your target. So if you're in, you know, kind of a free for all and there's multiple combatants fighting everyone else, you can still get sneak attack as long as one of your target's enemies are within five feet. That's pretty cool. At first level, he also gains Thieves Camp. So it's a secret mix of dialect, jargon, and code that allows you to hide messages in seemingly normal conversations, and only other characters or players that have Thieves' Cant will be able to understand you. It takes a bit longer using Thieves' Cant to convey these messages, but they're pretty much messages hidden in your regular talking, like nuance or innuendo. They can also understand a set of secret signs and symbols used to convey short, simple messages, such as whether an area is dangerous or the territory of a thieves guild, whether loot's nearby, people in the area are easy marks, provide a safe house for thieves on the run. Uh, so a bunch of stuff like that. So we can just say for the purposes of this build that his thieves can is just parcel tongue. So that means all snakes know thieves can't, which I think is fun to imagine snakes as just sneaky little thieves. Very cute. Second level, let's also go into rogue where he gets cunning action. So as a bonus action on each of his turns, he can take the dash, disengage, or hide action, which I think will be incredibly useful, uh, as I said before, for Harry running and hiding from Dudley and his friends a gang of 10-year-old bullies, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but probably not when you're also a 10-year-old that they have targeted. Third level, hey, guess what? Rogue. This is where he's going to get his roguish archetype, his rogue subclass. And for this, I'm going to pick Scout. So you're skilled in stealth and surviving far from the streets of a city, allowing you to scout ahead of your companions during expeditions, that's got to be easy with his plus seven stealth and his proficiency in survival as well. He gains the survivalist ability, so he gains proficiency in nature and survival skills if he doesn't already have it. He does have proficiency in survival, but now he's got proficiency in nature, boosting that to a plus four. But wait, there's more. He also gains expertise in survival and nature. So now that's a plus six to nature and a plus five to survival. 
you know how much I love expertise at this point, I'm sure. So now he has expertise in four different skills at third level. How excellent, how cool. His 10 year old is swift as a coursing river. He also gains the ability Skirmisher. So he's difficult to pin down during a fight. You can move up to half your speed as a reaction when an enemy ends its turn within five feet of you. And that movement does not provoke opportunity attacks. So that's great. An enemy comes up, makes a couple attacks on you. They get within melee range, five feet. Once they end their turn next to you, you can just use your reaction to skedaddle away from them, giving some distance in between yourself and your enemy. I think that's an excellent ability for Harry to have, especially once he becomes a wizard and will most likely want to be closer in the back lines of the fight. So I think starting with Rogue is pretty beneficial for a wizard because they have that bonus action to hide, disengage, or dash, which gives them a lot more mobility. There are some spells that will do that, like Misty Step or Expeditious Retreat, but those cost spell slots. This is just like a free bonus action you can take on every one of your turns to get him away from the danger. Perfect. Now that we have gotten his subclass in Rogue, we aren't going to go to fourth level and get his ability score improvement. We are instead going to multi-class, finally into Wizard. All right, so Harry's 11, he got his letter, Hagrid came for him, he went to Diagon Alley, he went to Platform 9 and 3 quarters, on the train, at Hogwarts, he got sorted, he's learning magic now. Hell yeah. So as a first level wizard, he's gonna have two first level spell slots to use. So as a first level wizard, he gets Arcane Recovery. So once per day when he finishes a short rest, he can recover expended spell slots, which is awesome. Pretty much all of the other spellcasters, uh, you know, druids, cleric, bards, their spell slots only come back after a long rest, which is an eight hour rest. Harry's comes back on a short rest, which is just an hour. It's not all of them though. The spell slots that he recovers have a combined level equal to or less than half your wizard level rounded up, and none of the slots can be sixth level or higher. So right now, half of first level rounded up is first level. So on a short rest, he can recover one first level spell slot. And obviously this will get stronger every time he gets to another odd numbered level. So at third level, he'll be able to get two spell slots either two first level spell slots or one second level spell slot, and so on. He's also going to learn three cantrips and get a spell book. Wizards have spell books that they use to draw their spells from. So with any wizard players, I don't have them carry around a spell book. They can just have what spells they have written down in their notes. But what's cool about it is even if a spell isn't prepared, they can cast ritual spells as rituals, even if they're in their spell book. So they don't have to have ritual spells prepared to cast them as rituals. I think that's really cool. There's also rules on when wizards learn spells of first level or higher. It takes time to copy spells down into your spell book and it takes gold. For that, again, I don't really worry about it. If it's something really unrealistic for them to come across, then I might say something. But for the most part, I trust them to write down their spells, 
keep stock of their spells, prepare their spells, as any other player would. Second level in Wizard, we are going to pick an Arcane Tradition, which is the Wizard subclass. I think Harry's subclass has got to be the School of Evocation. So those are like the powerful spells like Fireball, Lightning Bolt, Cone of Cold. Those are all evocation, just powerful magics meant for damaging. And I'm pretty sure canonically Hermione says the only class that Harry's better than her at is Defense Against the Dark Arts, which seems like it uses a lot of evocation, abjuration magic, but evocation just seems more fitting. So as an evocationist, an evocationist, an evocationer, he gets evocation savant. So the gold and time he spends to copy an evocation spell into your spellbook is halved. I don't usually worry about that, but there you go. He also gets the ability sculpt spells, which is a really cool ability. So when you cast an evocation spell that affects other creatures that you can see, you can choose a number of them equal to one plus the spell's level. The chosen creatures automatically succeed on their saving throw against the spell, and they take no damage if they would normally take half damage on a successful save. So that's so cool. I have a player who loves to cast Fireball, but the problem is all of her allies always get in the way of Fireball, so a lot of the times they might get hit too. But with this Sculpt Spells ability, he can just choose for them to save and also for them to not take damage. So you can just cast Fireball into a group of enemies and allies, but sculpt the spell so that it only hits the enemies. That's really cool. That's going to be really useful when he's, you know, swinging around his Expelliarmus or whatever. Third level, he gains access to second level spell slots. Fourth level, he's going to gain an ability score improvement. So we are now seventh level overall, three in Rogue, Four in Wizard, his ability score improvement, we're going to have to bump up that intelligence. It's only a plus two at this point, and that's the stat he uses for spellcasting. So definitely got to make that higher. Let's bump that right up to a 16, which is a plus three. So now that his proficiency bonus is plus three, his spell attack bonus is plus six, and his spell save DC is 14. Pretty good. Fifth level, he gains access to third level spell slots. Sixth level, ninth overall, he's going to gain another Arcane Tradition feature. So for the School of Evocation, he's going to get Potent Cantrip, which is awesome. So your damaging cantrips affect even creatures that avoid the brunt of the effect. So when a creature succeeds on a saving throw against your cantrip, the creature takes half the cantrip's damage, if any, but suffers no additional effect from the cantrip. So the reason that this is good is because a lot of the times when damaging cantrips have your target make a saving throw, they don't do anything if the target succeeds on that saving throw. Usually they take half damage when they succeed on the saving throw. With cantrips, they don't, uh, like frostbite. So a target will have to make constitution saving throw or take, at this point, 2d6 damage. But if they succeed on the saving throw, they don't take any damage. But now at least they'll take half. So that's pretty cool because it gives your cantrips more viability because essentially now they're more powerful, which is awesome. You gotta love being a powerful wizard, which Harry is turning into. Seventh level in wizard, he's gonna gain access to fourth level spell slots. 
8th level in Wizard, that's going to be another ability score improvement. So at 11th level overall, 8th in Wizard, 3 in Rogue, we're going to boost that intelligence up to 18, making that a plus 4. Now his attack bonus is going to be plus 8, because at 9th level your proficiency bonus jumps up to plus 4. So his spell attack bonus is plus 8, and his spell save DC is 16. Excellent, he's really becoming a powerful force. For 12th level, we're also going to go into Wizard, so now he has access to 5th level spell slots. We're going to go 10th level in Wizard, which is another evocation ability from the School of Evocation called Empowered Evocation, which is kind of underwhelming in my opinion for a 10th level, but you can add your intelligence modifier to one damage roll of any Wizard Evocation spell you cast. So I, I suppose it can be useful. So right now, whenever he casts an evocation spell, it does an additional four damage, but he's 13th level. So an additional four damage a turn, I don't think is gonna make too much of a difference. But say la vie, you know? I think Harry Potter, the boy who's really good at yeeting wands out of people's hands, will enjoy doing a little bit more damage when he chooses to actually attack someone instead of, again, yeeting the wands out of their hands. 14th level, we're going to take that in wizard to get 11th level wizard, access to 6th level spells. For 12th in wizard, he's going to get another ability score improvement. I don't want to increase his intelligence. You should. We can max out his intelligence. But looking at Harry Potter as a person, I don't think he has a 20 to intelligence. I don't think his intelligence is maxed. He's not dumb, but he's not that smart. You know what I mean? So instead, we are going to pick another feat. We are going to go with the feat Alert. So with Alert, he's always on the lookout for danger, which is very accurate. He just thinks an enemy is around every corner. And to be fair, they usually are. So he can't be surprised while he's conscious. So no enemies can get surprise rounds off on him. He also gains a plus five bonus to his initiative. That is excellent. His dexterity is already plus three. So now his initiative bonus is plus eight. So he's going to go first a lot of the time, or at least high up in the initiative order. And other creatures don't gain advantage on attack rolls against him as a result of being unseen. So even if an invisible enemy is coming from behind him, they're not going to gain advantage on that attack roll because he's alert. How cool is that? So that's what he gets at 15th level, 12th level in wizard. 13th level, we're going to take in wizard to get access to 7th level spell slots. 14th level in wizard, he's going to gain his last arcane tradition feature. So now he's 17th level overall. He's really powerful. Uh, you know, this has got to be the beginning of year seven, where he's going off on his adventure to find the Horcruxes. He learns the ability over channel. Starting at 14th level, you can increase the power of your simpler spells. When you cast a wizard spell of 1st through 5th level that deals damage, you can deal maximum damage with that spell. The first time you do so, you suffer no adverse effect. If you use this feature again before finishing a long rest, you take 2d12 necrotic damage for each level of the spell immediately after you cast it. 
Each time you use this feature again before finishing a long rest, the necrotic damage per spell level increases by 1d12. And this damage ignores resistance and immunity. So even if you're resistant or immune to necrotic damage, you'll still take that damage. Harry Potter is not resistant or immune, so it doesn't really matter. But this ability is really cool because you get this free ability with no side effects once per long rest anyway. So I mentioned Cone of Cold before. That's a fifth level spell. So the max level spell you can use over channel on. If you use this, instead of rolling 8d8 cold damage, a target will automatically take 64 damage. And because of your empowered evocation, they'll take an additional four because of your intelligence modifier. So that is 68 damage from one fifth level spell that you use over channel on. How cool is that? He can just, he can just blast people apart. Oh, that's fun. If Harry Potter was more bloodthirsty, boy, howdy, would this be what he would do? Or even if you cast Fireball at fifth level, I don't know why you would because Cone of Cold is stronger, but maybe they're resistant to cold. So fifth level Fireball, that's 10d6 damage, over-channeled, boom, automatically 60 damage, plus four for your intelligence. Very cool. So I actually think that's a really good final ability for the School of Evocation. I'm sure I mentioned before how a lot of the times I don't think the last ability you get from a subclass is really worth it or really that great. But this one's pretty cool. So I like that. Next at 18th level overall, Going into Wizard, he now has access to 8th level spell slots. For 16th level in Wizard, he's going to gain one last ability score improvement. I'm just going to bump up his constitution. So now that his constitution is a 14, which is a plus 2, his hit points are going to retroactively increase. Uh, so now an additional 19 hit points, which is really good for wizards, which are typically squishier. And then also is going to make his constitution saving throw a plus 2. So even though he has advantage on concentration saving throws because of his Warcaster feat, this additional plus one constitution saving throws will help him concentrate even better. I love that for him. I love that journey for him. Now the very last level, 20th level overall, is going to be 17th in Wizard. And the reason why I didn't go up to 4th in Rogue to get that extra ability score improvement is because at 17th level, he gains access to 9th level spell slots, 9th level spells, the highest you can get in the game. So I don't know what you would be playing in order to get to 20th level, but if you want to be a wizard and you want a multi-class, I always suggest doing a maximum of three levels in another class. So that way, once you're a 17th level wizard, you can still have access to those ninth level spells. And that's the same for the other full casters, you know, druid, bard, cleric. Uh, but you know, sometimes it's fun to mix it up. And even if you don't get access to those ninth level spells, you can still do some really cool shit with multi-classing. So that's, uh, you know, that's freaking Harry Potter. He is a third level scout rogue and a 17th level school of evocation wizard because Harry's not great at potions or charms or transfiguration, but he's great at combat. He's really good at 
magical fighting and dueling. So, of course, he's going to have the subclass that allows him to just blast people the hardest. Which, in this case, School of Evocation does the job very well. We ended with his stats as 12 to Strength, 16 to Dexterity, 14 to Constitution, 18 to Intelligence, 12 to Wisdom, 12 to Charisma. He has a plus 10 to Arcana, plus 7 to Athletics, plus 13 to Deception, plus 7 to Insight, plus 16 to Nature, plus 7 to Persuasion, plus 15 to Stealth, and plus 13 to Survival. Because of the Scout subclass, he gained expertise in Survival and Nature, and as a Rogue, expertise in Stealth and Deception. So he has five stats that are plus 10 or higher which is really excellent. I love that. He's a sneaky boy who's great at lying and great at survival and knows quite a bit about magic. Saving throws, he has plus 9 to dexterity saving throws and plus 10 to intelligence saving throws. The languages he ended with are common, abyssal, and thieves can't, which for this we're going to flavor as him being able to speak parcel tongue or being a parcel mouth. He also has the feats Warcaster, which he got from his human variant feat, and then also Alert. So he's going to have plus 5 to his initiative rolls, which means he has plus 8 to initiative, which is so excellent. I don't know why I like having a high initiative roll so much. Sometimes it's not always good to go first, but I think it can be really helpful if he can act and cast those really powerful area of effect spells before his allies kind of get in his way. And even if they do get in his way, because of his school of evocation training, he can sculpt the spells around them so that they don't take any damage. And if enemies get past his allies and get to him and attack him, at the end of their turn, he can just use his scout reaction to run away from them. That's beautiful. He has a lot of versatility and movement because of his rogue class and so many powerful things he can do with his wizard class. He is truly one to be feared. Uh, yeah, if I knew about him and were I Voldemort, I would be afraid of him as well. Because forget, you know, yanking my wand out of my hand. He can just blow me up, <laughs> which is which is a lot of fun. Wizards... It, in my experience, just love to blow things up. And I do have to admit that is indeed a lot of fun. So thank you so much for listening to Fantasize Me. Follow me on Twitter at FantasizeMePod. And if you have any character suggestions, feel free to email in at FantasizeMePod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll do this again next week. Bye!